it's Brandi Taylor. Welcome to the Business Beauty Network Podcast, where business meets beauty. It's not just lipstick, it's business. We will share thought-provoking conversations with business and beauty professionals. Our goal is to empower, motivate, and inspire you to take your business to the next level. Hey, hey, welcome to the Business Beauty Network podcast, where business meets beauty. I'm your host, Brandi Taylor. Welcome, welcome. I'm super, super excited to have you here. We have an awesome episode in store for you. I've been in this industry for over 16 years, and it is my goal to bring thought-provoking conversations from business and beauty professionals to help us grow our business and expand our minds. And as I would say, it's not just lipstick, it's business. So we mixed in a little fun, and we drop episodes on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. You can also subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, anywhere that you listen to your podcast as well. So make sure you check us out there and listen to it and subscribe there. Also click the bell in YouTube so that you don't miss an upload. You also want to make sure that you check out our podcast on our website at businessbeautynetwork.com. You can email us at hello at businessbeautynetwork.com. We are super excited to have you a part of this community. And here is today's episode. Hey, 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 welcome to the podcast. We have an awesome guest today, Kim Roxy. I'm going to give you a little bit of Kim's bio. I'm super excited to have Kim on the podcast today. Make sure you are subscribed to the Business Beauty Network podcast. Wherever you're listening, watching, don't forget to subscribe. Here's a little bit of Kim's bio. Southern Bell's Southern Bell, seasoned makeup artist, licensed esthetician, and mother of the cosmetic executive women, Kim Roxy experienced firsthand how women of color have been overlooked in the clean beauty market. At the age of 21, with a $500 investment, she opened her own makeup shop that catered to multicultural women in her hometown, Houston, Texas. After running it for 14 years in 2020, Roxy launched Lamique Beauty as an e-commerce clean beauty company making Lamique Beauty the first Black-owned clean beauty makeup brand carried by the major beauty specialty retailers, Alta.com, changing the clean beauty game in Houston, Texas, and beyond. Welcome, Kim Roxy. Hey, Kim. Welcome. Hi. How you doing? Awesome. I'm super excited to have you today. Super excited to be here. Great, great. So before we talk about Lamique Beauty and all the awesome things you're doing in your business, tell us something about yourself that most people would not know. Um, That I was kicked out of high school at 16. Oh, wow. That's interesting. (laughs) How did that happen? Yeah. I mean, I got into an altercation. Um, um, I was and you have to you have to know that I was a varsity cheerleader. I was the keyboardist to the jazz band. I was the piano accompanist to the choir because I grew up playing the piano. So I played the piano for the choir at my high school. Um, but I got into an altercation, got in trouble one time and ended up getting kicked out of high school. Um, but I always love to share that to show that you can rebound. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Um, We all, you know, have our different journeys in life, but, you know, we definitely can change. We can rebound, come back and do something great. So Mm -hmm. I'm glad you shared that. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. 
So tell us your beauty story. You know, like you've, you've been in the industry for quite some time. So tell us how you started your beauty journey. Um, I started my beauty journey when I was in college. So I was in college. I needed a part-time job. So I went to the mall looking for a job and I ended up working um, at a makeup counter, finding a job at a makeup counter. I had never done makeup before. Like, seriously, I never had done anybody's face. Um, I had never touched anybody's face. <laughs> so this was um, something that was not like, you know, uh, something I had dreamed of doing. Um, I dreamt of doing this. was just something that I needed a job and this is who hired me. So I started working there, maybe a couple of weeks into working there, my supervisor comes to me and she's like, what are you telling these women? And I was like, well, what do you mean? <laughs> she's like, you don't even do makeup that good, but you're selling more makeup than me. You're selling more makeup than anybody in here. What are you telling these women? And I said, you know what? I have fell in love with making women feel good about themselves. I was like, I just tell them the truth, how beautiful they are, how lovely they are, what I think about them, their features. And uh, that turned into me becoming a top sales producer um, at this particular makeup store and um, working there my whole college <laughs> time. Um, and my senior year of college, it was like, Kim, what are you going to do when you grow up? What are you going to do? Like it's after college. And I was thinking I was going to get a job in public relations, which I was getting my degree in. But I had no job offers, got no callbacks when I sent in my resume because uh, I had no experience because I had only been working at this makeup counter. And so the only thing I had to fall back on was that makeup experience I had. And so I decided to um, open up my own makeup shop in Houston, Texas, where I'm from. I went to school in Atlanta, Georgia. I went to Clark Atlanta University and I decided to open up this makeup shop where women that were my complexion women that I saw that were being overlooked by the beauty industry could be celebrated. And um, that's when I decided to open up that makeup shop in Houston and, you know, 21 years old and just took that leap and opened it up and ended up keeping it open for 14 years. Wow. <laughs> and, that, and that was my, my entry into the beauty industry. Wow. 14 years. So you did something right now at 21, that's like a big leap to decide, okay, I just got out of college. All I got is this makeup experience. I can't get a job, you know, with my degree. So let me just, you know, open up a makeup shop. Like, what was it hard? Like, did you have anything to overcome during that time in the beginning stages? Yeah, I mean, I had a lot to overcome. They didn't even want to rent to me in the mall. They did not even want to rent a space to me um, for me to open up this makeup shop. So I had to be assertive, aggressive, <laughs> persistent, persuasive. Um a little annoying in a way, um, just to be able to rent uh, because they were they were not trying to rent to me there. Um, and then, you know, I had to go out and get customers. I had to, you know, um, not be scared to talk to people. That's the part. Like, I think a lot of times we think we think about scared or fear. We think about like what might not happen per se. And for me, it was just like, no, I just got to go talk to these people. I got to see what's going to happen. I wasn't really thinking about the future too much. And I think that's the part that really helped me. I wasn't really thinking about the future. I was thinking about just right then, like making it to the next month, making it to the next day. <laughs> right. But what, like, what, like, you had to get customers, right? Because so you opened a store in a mall. Um, like, kind of describe to us, like, what it took for you to get out there and get the customers and to get people excited about coming in. 
Yeah, I mean, I just walked down to the food court to go get customers like that. And there was none, <laughs> it was none passing by my store because where my store was located, um, it actually was like in the desert of the mall. Like they actually were making fun of the part of the mall that I'm in. Um, and they were saying it was out of the country because nobody would walk down that way because it was all like vacant stores. But the mall did that on purpose, put me there because they just thought I was going to fail. So they said, you know, like, you just go fail over there by yourself. But then when they saw that it was working, um, they went and moved me to the middle of the mall where everybody was. But for me first, I had to go down to the food court, walk people from the food court all the way down to my store. So we literally built a whole relationship on a five minute walk back to my store. <laughs> oh. so, so by then they would buy something. Right. And so that's how I, you know, built my clientele and, and grew my clientele then. Now, what type of services did you offer there? Like, was it just, uh, did you sell makeup products or did you offer makeup artistry or what type yeah. of services did you offer? I have to be real with you, Brandy, because I'm always so real about who, you know, who I am. And I just, took a glance at myself this whole time. I've been like, like looking up. I just looked at myself and I have to say, I look so damn good. So I just want to acknowledge. Yes, honey. And so I just want to acknowledge. I'm like, oh my God. Sometimes you have to do that to yourself, right? And Brandy, with that cute face you got, okay? Those cheekbones, I know you do it to yourself. Um, <laughs> you know, sometimes you just got to be like, you know what? I'm cute. Like, I just, I right. just understand that. So anyway, <laughs> Back to the story, but I think that's just, you know, such a big part of the reason why I like to be in this industry is that I like to, you know, let other people know, like, it's, 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 it's okay to abort and to leave behind anything that someone said to you about your appearance, about the way you look, about the way you are, that doesn't make you feel good about yourself, you know, and I think that that's what I did when I walked those people down to the store. That's what I did when, you know, finally the owner of the mall after three months of being in this like deserted area came to me and said, you're really making this work. You want to move down to Victoria's Secret? And I was like, yes. And, you know, I think that that type of um, tenacity and ambition is well needed. And, um, entrepreneurship has built so much character in me. And so, you know, why I started, it was for bringing and celebrating our skin tones. I then decided to transition, you know, um, in 2018 to close my store, which was working quite fine. My store was in a freestanding location. It was working well, but I decided to close it because I saw the future of beauty and I wanted to get on top of that. Um, and so uh, I decided to close my store and then concentrate on the makeup line itself. Mm -hmm. So having this store for 14 years, share like the biggest lesson that you learned on your entrepreneurial journey. Um, on that part of the journey, I think the I've learned so many lessons. <laughs> That's why I said it builds so much character in me. Um, I think that uh, a big lesson I learned is that, um, you know, our businesses serve such huge purposes. Um, what I realized was when I had my store, um, sometimes I didn't realize the significance that it served in the community. And looking back on it, when I meet people and 
I look at the outcomes and we look at what we did, we helped to raise hundreds of thousands of dollars for breast cancer, breast health, um, women, um, uninsured black women get mammograms and screenings. We've raised money for domestic violence. We've raised money for um, HIV AIDS um, awareness for girls and and uh, young adults. Um, we have, I mean, I could go on and on to be honest. We did all of this through this store. And I think the biggest lesson I learned is that even though it feels like, cause when I was, I mean, I felt like all the time I was just like working and trying to, you know, do it. But now that I look back, I'm like, man, we really did that. Like we really helped our community, really a part of it. And I think that those little stuff that you take, the little bit that you do, it all adds up. It all adds up. And I think just my biggest lesson is just knowing that you are significant. Your contributions, what you do is significant. Awesome. Awesome. So you, when you closed your store, decided to start your cosmetic line, uh, what was your thought process behind it? Like, you know, was it scary? You know, how did that process work for you? Yeah. So um, I had already started making products at our store. So that's the reason why I knew that I had to take it national because it was working so well in our store. It was working so well with our customers. Um, and also I was looking at the landscape and my mom, who was the person who gave me the $500 to help me open up my store, um, developed metastatic breast cancer. Um, um, and I, we started to do a lot of research around breast cancer and what causes it and all these kind of different things. And my mom wore makeup every single day. So my mom was the makeup girl. Um, if anybody was to have a makeup shop, it would be my mother. So, you know, it's like she had one through me and through, you know, the work that we did, but like she wore makeup every single day. And so we did the research. I was like, oh, these ingredients inside of makeup. And then the, the data doesn't lie. 75% of beauty products marketed to women of color are toxic. Um, wow. there, yeah, there have been studies that have shown the link between parabens and breast cancer. Like these are the things that I researched and looked at in personal care products and at the risk that we're put at. And um, I just knew that I had to concentrate on this makeup brand and we had to put it out um, just to honor my mother's legacy um, um, because my mom ended up, ended up passing away. And so it's just really important. And so I think for me, it's always something like driving me. Um, um, and I don't know if, you know, like when I, when I felt the push to close my store, I really felt the push to make room for more people. Like we gotta go save, we gotta go save our people. We gotta go take care of our women. That same gusto I had about opening up that store to do that, to celebrate and to do that. Now I'm like, oh, we gotta go save them. Like we gotta go do this. That's that's what pushes me. That's what drives me. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think I get caught up in that wave. And so being scared, um, it's like an afterthought, not the first thought. Awesome, awesome. So entering into the clean beauty industry, it's clear that you saw that there was a need 
that you wanted to fulfill with your brand. So kind of, you know, share what you saw lacking in this industry that you wanted to add with Lemique Beauty. Yeah, so um, what I wanted to add was products that could perform and show up on our skin tone, but we're not, but we're free of some of the known um, toxic ingredients that we knew about to get rid of, you know, like I think that, you know, we don't ever claim to be perfect and, and superior or anything like that. We're just doing the best we can. We want to just put out the best products we can. That's the reason why I also talk about like knowing when a product expires and all that kind of stuff. Like we just want you to be armed with the tools so your beauty experience doesn't turn into an ugly experience um, because, you know, um, it's not being utilized in the right way. So that's that's our point and our purpose so i think that for me when we do when we're doing when we're saying clean beauty we're also saying non-toxic beauty we're saying non-toxic beauty images um so the images of beauty and changing up what that looks like um it's also really important because telling someone that only this image is beautiful is toxic as well so we get rid of that too so that's like those are all those ways that we're serving um we're we're actually able to um our manufacturers here in houston so we're actually making our products here in houston that's huge um when you think yes. about yeah it's almost like buying from a farmer's market right where you know when you buy from a farmer's market you know it's like your local fresh vegetables like that's like the if you think about it that's like the most organic right like food you can get it's right there like, you know, it's made right there versus some fruit that's being brought from overseas. You're like, they brought this fruit all the way from Puerto Rico. You know, like, it's been like, <laughs> is that not that they have good fruit over there, but it's just like all that travel time, all that that it takes. And so when you think about our makeup is made right here in Houston, it's not made in some other country where then it has to be shipped sitting on a boat. It takes time. Like, it's literally being made here and then being put out. And I think that that's something that also, you know, that makes us very unique um, at what we're doing. Now, that, that is phenomenal that you're able to keep it like that. Now, is that sometimes I find that that can be costly, you know? Uh, well, actually, with, with the way that the supply chain is, it's, it's costly not to. <laughs> okay. Because, you know, you think about it, right? The supply chain is things getting caught up on. On, on shipments, on boats, taking longer. We're not experiencing that, right? Yeah, we're not experiencing yeah. that. Mm -hmm. But I I would say that to not not that nothing's wrong with it. I think that's phenomenal that you keep it in house and it's in the U.S. and it's made here, homegrown. What I'm saying is is that sometimes people think the best way to do is to outsource it because it's more affordable to outsource to other countries and things of that nature. That's what I'm saying. It's actually not. You know, sometimes okay. it's it's it seems that way, right? And for a lot of people, it has. But people sometimes don't know about all the resources that are out there. And I must say, you know, we're in a position where we're working with my chemist and my my team, my manufacturer. Like we're working like in a very special, unique situation, right? And so for other people, yeah, it might be the case. But I'm just finding with the pandemic and everything, you want to be able to have it here so you can see what's going on, what's happening, you know, how long the travel time is. Like, those are things because we get some some components 
from overseas, like some of our components, like the actual packaging, some things. And yeah, it's like, when is it going to show? You know, it's like, it's, it's not as, you know, and, and you get it. And for us, we get it not just because it's more attainable from a price structure. It's just that in the U.S., a lot of these components and stuff are not even being made. So um, uh, that's the kind of thing that like we can actually make the makeup here, formulate here. It's just I find it's just been even better because we're just here right here with it hands on. And all of that travel time, all of that, you know, all those different things that go into it um, that you're not able to sort of have your pulse on that we're able to have our pulse, our, our hand on the pulse here is I find has been much better. And I'm talking from an indie brand that that doesn't have big venture capital money yet. You know, so believe me, I'm very con price conscious about what we do, but I found it to be to be even better. Great, great. So I was going to ask you that. So, um, you know, had you received any funding or anything for it? And how did you go about marketing and, and getting your brand out there? Because you're an author. So let's talk about that. Yeah. So um, we have been able to fund our company um, one through um, I went through an accelerator. Um, that's how we started off our our um, sort of like pre-seed sort of accelerator uh, uh, a check that we got, but we've been bootstrapping. Um, we have, we have, uh, we're raising around now though. So we're excited about that. Um, so we have been bootstrapping. I had been doing pitch competitions. We had done a crowdfunding campaign on iPhone women, uh, where we raised about $75,000, um, in a matter of like two months. Um, wow. Uh, from our, you know, potential new customers in 2019, because we we're gearing up to launch in 2020. Um, we um, actually, um, we actually did a pitch competition to get on Ulta.com um, through Black Girl Ventures and Rare Beauty Brands. Um, so, and we won that national beauty pitch competition. That's how we got on Ulta.com. So, um, we have been very big about, you know, telling our story. Um, and that's something that, you know, we have done. And that has served us well to be able to get over the fact that only 2% of women raise venture capital. Only under 1% of Black women raise venture capital. So, you know, for us, I, you know, either I was going to let that stop me or, or we got to be more creative about how we did it or push through to try to get it done. But so for us, we've just been able to utilize those type of ways, apply for grants. Um, I've been able to do that as well. So we've raised over six figures in grants and pitch competitions to, um, to put Lamique in the marketplace and to work. And and now we're raising a seed round, which I'm excited to say that iPhone Women actually uh, came back around and did our first check in our round. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So they, because they came up with a venture arm. So, you know, um, we're excited about what's to come. And Hey everyone, it's Brandy. I hope you're enjoying this podcast as much as I absolutely enjoy bringing this awesome content to you. Look, beauty professionals, this show is for you. 
And I want to make sure we can continue to bring our awesome guests and awesome information to help empower the beauty community all over the world. You can help by doing your part in making a small donation. You can check our link in the show notes and donate right on Anchor, or we'll have another link available for you to do so. Thank you so much for supporting. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and you're sharing it as well. As always, stay great. And what we're doing over at Lamique. Well, thanks for sharing that because I there's always, I see that stuff all the time, but I'll talk to people and they're like, well, I can't get funded. And I'm like, well, did you try to get, you know, pitch compositions or did you try this? And a lot of times they're, they're not, you know, entering those competitions, they're not applying for the grants and there's so much money on the table. So I'm glad you kind of shared that you were able to do that. Now, did you find it difficult to, you know, share your story and position yourself? You know, sometimes they require a lot of information. Was that a hard process? Yeah. I mean, you start to get used to it, right? You start to kind of get used to sharing um, um, and giving that information and sort of getting into a flow of, of, of what, you know, cause of what's necessary. Cause some applications ask different questions. Um, but then some of them, you know, pretty much ask the same thing. How did you get started? You know, what was, you know, what was your inspiration? What's the problem that you're solving? What's the solution? What's your market size, right? Like it's, it's all of these questions that you'll start to get used to and you'll know that they're going to be asking you about, but start to get really good at telling your story, start to get really good at sharing, um, um, you know, why you're here for me, you know, um, when, when they asked me, you know, why did you come up with a bra product first? Like, why was that the, your first product? Why was that your, why is that your hero product? Why is, you know, all of that. And I share with them about me having a form of alopecia. Right. And so, you know, um, and me creating the brow duo, which I have here. <laughs> to fill in my brows and to, you know, I put that on my brows to fill them in and I put this underneath to highlight it. Um, but why I created this um, was because of my form of alopecia. I tell that story, right? You can't try to, you know, everything is, you know, a product is birthed out of a problem, out of, you know, something we need a solution for. It. And so that's just something that I share and, um, it resonates with people. People can understand it. People get it. Some people have hair loss from menopause. Some people have hair loss because of thyroid. Some people are like have alopecia from a child. Like some people um, just have gotten their eyebrows like messed up so many times that they're not growing in, right? Or some people eyebrows are just sparse. It's like so many different reasons that sometimes that might resonate with people. But I think it's just so important to like tell your story and why. And, you know, the solution that you come up with um, and then that way people can know, all right, I see that they, you know, no matter what, it's going to try to make sure that this product comes to the marketplace because because, you know, they they understand uh, the need for it uh, and everything. And so that's just something that I find that I think is really important. And um don't get discouraged by, oh, I didn't get picked this time or I didn't win. I also look at these as marketing opportunities. I mean, you get in front of judges that are most of these judges for most pitch competitions and stuff are important people, right? Like in some kind of capacity, they hold influence. And so um, I think that like getting in front of them, is like a marketing opportunity. 
you might pitch in front of an audience. That's a marketing opportunity. Like, just think about that when you crowdfund, that's like marketing. Like, so just those kind of different things. I think also if we, sometimes if we take a different, a different approach to it, a different point of view, and we see it bigger than just, oh, I got to talk in front of people or whatever, you know, whatever your hangup is. And you see it as a bigger opportunity for your company. I think sometimes too, we'll, 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 we'll go after them. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing it. I think that could definitely be helpful for, you know, some people who may be interested in starting their brand or maybe, you know, thought about like, how can I get funding for this idea that I have mm -hmm. and things of that nature. So I really mm -hmm. appreciate you sharing that. Absolutely. So, so moving forward, like, where do you see uh, you going with your brand in the next five years? Um, In the next five years, oh, my goodness. I need to be like making sure I'm journaling right now. So uh, in the next five years, I could say, man, look what you were thinking. Look how you, I need to take pictures of everything. Like, because, um, you know, in the next five years, I'm really excited about what'll be happening with Lamique. Right now, we're already seeing entry into retail distribution and we're seeing our impact on this industry already happening. Um, as you shared in my bio, we are the first clean, non-toxic, Black-owned makeup brand to launch into the largest beauty specialty retailer, and that is Ulta.com. And um, I think, you know, the barriers will break over the next five years will be huge. Um, and I'm really excited about us growing a team to do that. Um, already our team is just so magnificent. Our, we have a small lean team, but I'm just so excited about us growing. I'm excited about, you know, um, also the, the impact we'll make around people being more conscious about the beauty products they use, how they use them, when they get rid of them, all that kind of stuff. We have something called the Makeup Refresh Box, where it's a bi-monthly subscription box and it's new products that are exclusive to the box that we send out. Um, but it's basically to help you to keep replenishing your makeup, get rid of old makeup. Think of makeup like food. You just don't keep food because you bought it, right? Like I can't be like, I bought that food even though I didn't eat it. And I'm like, I bought it, so I'm not getting rid of it, <laughs> right? Right, let me share a quick story because I'm a makeup artist too. <laughs> I gotta, so years ago, I used to teach makeup lessons and it was this older lady. She probably, you know, was like in her mid to late fifties yeah. and she wanted to learn how to properly apply her makeup. Well, we were going through, you know, I'll have them go through their makeup bag and kind of like tell them like, you know, what products they may need to get rid of and what products they may need to add, you know, so we go yeah. through the bag and she had a blush that I think it was from like fashion fair, but it was like 20 years ago or something. I, I'm telling you. And when she told me about it, and she probably opened up this 20-year-old compact with a blush in it, I I said, throw it away. And she looked at me like I was insane. I said, please throw that away. I said, it's I I would never suggest you put that on your face. And so at, after that, we started looking through and I figured out that all her makeup was expired. So I just put right. out my kit. I put out my kit, like, look, I got stuff for you. I'm gonna help you here. Right. And I was like, cause you can't use none of this stuff in this kit. Right. I didn't realize how many people were just keeping stuff forever yeah. and ever. Oh yeah. 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, and, you know, what's interesting is like you just said, be proud. You know what I mean? Like, but not knowing because nobody really talks about it. Right. It's just kind of like, Oh, you bought it. They think it's like clothes. Makeup is not like clothes. It's not, it's not like clothes. It's like food. It's like something perishable. It's over. It has to go. <laughs> so um, to a certain extent, we're actually bringing um, some awareness that has not been put out there. So yes, uh, I think that's phenomenal because a lot of people struggle with that. I saw that over and over too, where when I was doing my one-on-one sessions, I started, I increased the price to include a small makeup kit so that I could make sure they had fresh makeup and everything that they needed because it was so many times people was coming with like 10, 15 year old makeup. And I'm like, no, we can, <laughs> like, like, hold on you this. Exactly. And it's like, it could be doing something that it's not even aware of, right? Mm -hmm. Just so innocent, not knowing. So I love that. Okay. So we got, look, we got to talk. We got to put some, put some products in these little small kits you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for sure. But yeah, so I think that's phenomenal to have like a, so it's a membership. So how exactly does it work? So as by buy monthly and they pay for the membership and, what, and they get the box right what do they get in it so they get um four products in it they get actually um a face product an eye product and like usually a lip product it's kind of like the the three categories and then they get a bonus sort of like surprise mystery gift um inside of there and so um it has been working really well if you subscribe to the box it's only 59 dollars which is really good for us, especially for our price point of our products. Um, and so to get like four products for $59. Um, so, and then it comes bi-monthly and it's delivered in. And on the box, we actually have the expiration dates for makeup. It'll tell you all that. So you'll have that information. Um, we're coming out with something to also help with people um, getting rid of their makeup one time. So I'm excited about the launch of that. So stay tuned to that. We have a, something to help people, um, an accessory. Um, and, uh, but yeah, like that bi-monthly box has been going so well. And then also we have a sep separate um, sort of like subscribe um, and save uh, option for like our mascara. Mascara, you're supposed to get it rid of in two months, two to three months. Mm -hmm. And so we have a mascara subscription that we have customers on and it delivers to their house every three months. And, oh, to be, awesome. and to be honest, I'm like on it because like, I can't remember when I bought the mask. Like I can't remember when I got one of those mascaras. Like, so, you know, just that, you know, it's so important because when something happens to your eyes, like you ever have like a sty or an eye infection or something, it, it sort of makes your whole face look like, you know, you're sick, you know? Like, yeah. So like using bad mascara puts you at risk of eye infections and stuff like that. And I'm like, my eyes are too small. I can't take no chances. So no. <laughs> yeah. I would have people that would buy like, say they would buy like, you know, a Dior. Cause you know, it's like 30 some dollars a tube of mascara. They did not want to throw it away because you know, it's Dior. They pay so much for it. I'm like, well, I don't care. It's been over two months and it has to go. <laughs> Look, you see my head. Like, <laughs> yeah, but I want to talk about this custom blend foundation because you know how you see custom blend, it'd be like this white stuff they put on their face, <laughs> and then you're like, That's never gonna work for me. You know, I, I saw one recently, and uh, the deep shade that was not deep, 
And I knew it would not work for me. So I've seen custom blends foundations before, but I want you to talk about yours because I know that you do a custom blend for women of color. Yeah, I do. We do a custom blend foundation and um, we got into it because when the pandemic, when we launched, I had some foundation around that, that I was, you know, sort of like messing with doing different stuff with. And it just, I was like, you know, Hey, because people have to do their makeup from home. And they're like, I don't know how to mix this. I don't know how to do this. And I was like, hey, what about if we just did a custom land foundation? Would you want that? And I put it on Facebook and I got all these comments. All of these comments. And I was like, all right, send me a picture. I'm going to send you a sample. That's how we started. No strings attached. Just send me a picture. I'll send you a sample. Well, that's what happened. And I got all these pictures. And so then I, we had to whip out all these samples. And then people were like, oh, I want it. How much is it? I want to buy it. I've never had anything match my skin like this. Um, I suffer from acne. I've had nothing cover my scars like this, but still look natural. Um, oh, my gosh. Usually when I put makeup on, it burns. It just doesn't burn. Like all these different things we were hearing. And it's like the most five-star review product on our website. People love it. Um, to be honest, I'm still shocked that we're like, custom blending foundation for people that we've never met. Um, but it's happening. And we look at these pictures and we're able to see the undertone and whip out a foundation that matches. That's awesome. So like it's made to order for each customer. Is that how it goes? Yep. They, wow. send, us, they send us a picture. They go on our website. You purchase the custom blend foundation. Um, we send you a sample. You approve it. And then we send you the full one. Oh, that's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. That's that I like. It's very personalized too, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's personalized. It's not like, you know, gone are the days. Cause a part of buying makeup online too is like, how do I know the right one for me and all that kind of stuff? Gone are the days of that. Like, even when it comes to our eyebrow duo, we have a quiz on our website. Fill out like the quiz. We will tell you which one you need, right? We'll recommend the right one for you. We'll suggest. And we've been so spot on with that. Um, we have some augmented reality technology that we even use like try it on like you know that kind of thing with the with the uh foundation with the custom blend foundation it's so personalized because it's like no need to like try to figure out which foundation you wear just send us a picture we got you it's like concierge almost like it's it's such the the black the white glove service I, I think that is phenomenal. So like, uh, what about repeat orders and things like that? Do you keep like their color on file or, you know, how do you do all that? Yeah, we do. We do. That, that might be like a subscription thing too. Like set up another foundation. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> if yeah. you're not doing that one, you know what I mean? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> because if they have a custom blend foundation, when, when would they need one? Maybe every, now, I don't think I have a foundation every month, maybe every two months. Yeah. Or, and to be honest, for most everyday women, they're probably going through their foundation. Sometimes their cycle is even longer than that. Sometimes mm -hmm. their cycle can be anywhere from three to nine months, you know? And so, yeah. Yeah. But, but to be able to subscribe to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. Mm -hmm. Well, Kim, you've shared so much about living beauty and all the things that you're doing. Thank you. Uh, 
I really, I really um, appreciate having this conversation and having you on. I think it's phenomenal what you're doing to bring clean beauty for women of color and really uh, caring about our needs and what, you know, and putting products that are not harmful on our skin. So I really think that's phenomenal. Uh, but share with us, like, I know it hasn't been like all <laughs> exciting. So like, I want you to share a little bit of your entrepreneurial journey um, far as like, what has been the hardest part and what has been the best part so far? Yeah. So, I mean, it's all been, you know, one big adventure. Um, I think that the when I think about what's hard, um, what's hard is just like, again, I talked about like the statistics around funding and that kind of thing. I think what's hard is sometimes just pushing through that sometimes, you know, you might see your counterparts or other people um, who might look a little different from you seem like they get funding easier or something like that. You know, the hard part is not comparing yourself to somebody else, fulfilling your journey, going on yours, fulfilling your purpose. Um, that I think, you know, that's, that's something to think about. Um, also too, just like all the work that it takes. I mean, you know, it takes a lot of work. And I think that, you know, I might be almost like so used to working a lot that I don't even realize like that how it is. And so it's, you know, in a way I feel like an athlete in some ways, like I just, you know, go and push, you know, like just like always in that mode. And and I think that, you know, um, you know, having people around you who understand um, what you're doing, what you're on, um, your family understand, um, can be hard sometimes. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, yeah. So I, I, when I think about hard, to be honest, I think more from a, from a internal versus, versus an external, because anything can be considered hard, right? Like we could, we could try to do something like, oh, that's hard. Like, that's hard to find or that's hard. Da, da, da. You know, anything that can be considered hard. So I think for me, it always sort of is like turn the mirror back around to me and just like, okay, um, if it was easy, then I wouldn't even be here trying to make it happen. So I'm really over here trying to do the impossible. But, you know, with God, all things are possible. So like, I think that, you know, yeah. I mean, it's, 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 we talked about less than 1%, you know, of funding going to black women to build these type of companies. So like, I'm going against the odds. So hard is like, that's like normal. <laughs> like <laughs> hard yeah. is normal. You know, if you know what mm -hmm. I mean, I just don't look at it the same. I'm just like, and, and somebody else probably could come in and look and, and, and sort of have a bird's eye view or, or just come in and, and be able to see things like, oh man, that's hard. You know, that's hard. That's hard. You got to, you know, get up at, you know, early in the morning, work through, da 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 da, you know, have a family, da da, you know, do this. That's hard. You know, it's like, yeah, like, but it's normal, right? It's just normal. Um, and I think that that's something that's there. But at the same time, that's the reason why I like to have fun. I like to be authentic um, and just enjoy my life and enjoy myself, in, you know, in this journey and live through it all because. Um, that's also the part of entrepreneurship that I love is the, like the freedom to like 
be myself and have fun. What would be hard to me is conforming. Um, mm -hmm. That would be the hard. <laughs> like, seriously. What, what advice would you give someone that's looking to start their own line? Um, to know your purpose of why you're starting it. Because if not, if you just like kind of doing it, because it's just like, you know, I saw somebody else do it and it looked like it worked for them. Um, that's not going, that's not going to keep driving you. That's not going to work. Right. Um, um, so, but, but having a real purpose for doing it is, um, I think it's like the most important thing and, um, be, be willing to, you know, also like make mistakes, um, without getting discouraged, um, because all, everybody does it. The big brands do it. Everybody make mistakes, um, have issues, this and that. So also just, you know, don't be discouraged by those things too. Now, where do you go for motivation? Is it a podcast? Is it a book? Like, where do you get your motivation from? Um, I get my motivation from my daily word that I use, I read, <laughs> um, that I have um, with me all the time. Um, my Bible app with my scripture in there. Um, you know, I get my motivation um, from, I like to be, a lot of times I'm like in different programs or different communities of people. And I get my motivation from like, if there's like a master class that I'm going to, or there is just me and some friends who are founders that are getting together to chat, you know? Yeah. Like that's sort of my community is really big for me. So I like to talk to other founders and other entrepreneurs, and that's really helps to motivate me too. Awesome. Tell everybody how they can find you and Lameek Beauty. Yeah, they can find us on Instagram, at Lameek Beauty on Facebook, uh, facebook.com forward slash Lameek Beauty. Um, and, and then also uh, me personally, I'm on Instagram at the Kim Roxy, T-H-E-K-I-M-R-O-X-I-E. Um, and our website is lumiquebeauty.com, which we have on the screen. Uh, but then also go to ulta.com and just get you something there, please. Get you something there. Go buy you some Lumique on ulta.com. Kim, do you have anything else you want to share with us before we go? I just want to say thank you, Brandy, for having me. Thank you for providing this platform. Um, thank you for sharing um, with me. And um, I think that, you know, every day we're going higher and higher. I love it. Kim Roxy, everybody. As always, stay great and we are out. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast today. Make sure you subscribe. Check us out on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. I want to hear from you. Email me at info at businessbeautynetwork.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at I am Brandy Taylor and Facebook at I am Brandy Taylor. I want to connect with you, so let's stay connected. And remember that all things are possible if you only believe. Stay great.